I've got good news for you. Whatever happened last week, forget about it. <laughs> because you can't change it anyway, right? Nothing you can do. To, you can't change it, but you have control over today, and you do have control over the future. And I mean, I don't mean just 10 years from now. I'm talking about today, tomorrow, this week. Praise God. We've been talking about this particular subject. The Lord directed us to talk about winning in life. Amen. And just there's something, there's a ring to the word. When you see winning, it's like, <clears throat> yeah. Amen. How many of you like to win in situations? I mean, I, I mentioned this before that when I, when I was growing up and I was involved in different sports, and, and even to this day, I can't stand to lose. Amen. I believe God put it in the heart of all of us to, to win in areas of our lives. Amen. Now, praise God, the Bible teaches us how to win in our spiritual life, our mental life, our physical life, relationships, finances, prayer life, social life. I mean, every single area of our lives. Praise God. Now, we talked about steps and we're doing this one very simple ABC, one, two, three steps to preparing to win in life. All right. Now, we, I'm just going to do a real quick review because of time. We're not going to get in depth in this, but I want to mention what we covered thus far. Step number one is to, to win in life. You have to have the right knowledge or information. And if you uh, look at Hosea chapter 4, in verse 6, we use this scripture uh, in this particular point number one is this. God says this, my people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Now notice it says there that God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So lack of knowledge is an enemy, right? But you know what? When you have knowledge of, we're talking about the Word of God. When you have biblical knowledge of a situation, you can begin to walk free. Amen? The right information got you born again. The right information got you filled with the Holy Ghost. The right information got you healed in your body. The right information can prosper you. Hallelujah. And uh, so the first step to winning in life is having the right information. Praise the Lord. And we saw in, in, uh, and I'll just refer to this, but in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. So it's not just truth that sets you free. It's knowledge of the truth. Remember that? My people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. Jesus said if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. Praise God. That's why we, we should, as churches, we should be big on presenting truth. Amen? Truth, which is the Word of God. Number two, we talked this last week, we talked about the second step to winning is to have a a right mental attitude or a winning attitude, a right mental attitude. Amen. It's important because the only thing that will uh, formulate the way that you think is the Word of God. Now, thirdly, today, that what I want to talk about today, the third step to winning in life is to realize, oh, this is so exciting, to realize that you're on a winning team. Say, I am on... A winning team. Glory to God. Go to 1 John chapter 5, and I want to show you this. When you got born again, my goodness, you didn't just get your sins forgiven. That's huge, and that's big, and that's glorious. 
But you got a whole lot more than just forgiveness of sins. And it says here in 1 John 5, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Praise the Lord. Now, it says in verse 4 that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, who's he talking to here? Anybody want to take a guess? He's talking to us. Okay. That's good. One person got it. Whatsoever. Are you a whatsoever? Are you a whosoever? Okay. When you are born again, God placed you on a winning team. But you have to know this. Okay? If you don't know this, the devil can take advantage of you. See, the devil only plays on ignorance. When people are ignorant of certain things, he can take advantage of you. I mean, think about the devil. The only power that he has is the power of deception. But you still don't have to let him deceive you. Because when you have the word and you have the truth, he can't deceive you. See, so many times people, even Christians, and I get tired of hearing it sometimes, they make the devil sound like he's this, whoa, this big powerful enemy, you know. He has the power to just do whatever he wants to you. No, he doesn't. If he was so powerful, he would have stopped you from being born again. But you know what happened? You got a piece of knowledge from somebody somewhere, and you acted on that knowledge, and you became born again. So if the devil was so powerful, then he'd stop everybody from being born again. No, his only power is the power of to deceive. There's no truth in him. So realize this, step number three, that when you were, got born again, God immediately put you on a winning team. Do you know the biggest winner in life is Jesus? He's the biggest winner. But all of his victory and all of his winning that he got when he was raised from the dead, was not for himself, but for me and for you. All right? What do I mean by that? He wants you, if you're an overcomer, that means you can overcome sin. You can overcome temptation. You can overcome sickness and disease. You can overcome poverty and lack. We're overcomers. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and guess what this is the victory that overcomes the whole world even our faith now let's talk about that for a minute here because when you're on a winning team you have to realize what makes you win this verse says who is he that overcometh it? the he that believeth that Jesus is Christ this is the victory that overcomes all that's in the world even our faith is faith important you can't please God without it. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. That's the only avenue whereby we can really please God is by trust. When I say faith, we're talking about trust. It's the same thing. I trust God. And I tell you, when the enemy tries to come at you with things, he tries to shake you and rattle you and shake you with circumstances in life. I know what I'm talking about. Amen? And... Uh, but if your roots are deep and your faith roots are deep in Christ, 
when the devil's done shaking you, you will be left standing there. Amen? Say, come on, devil, bring your best shot. <laughs> Amen? Because when your faith is in God and your faith is in the Word of God, you cannot fail. It may look like you're going to fail. Brother Hagin, my spiritual father, used to say, he goes, there may be times, he goes, it looks like you're going under. In fact, sometimes you look, you'll go under the water and you'll just jump up for one breath and you go back under. He says, but if you stand on the Word of God, you will come out on top. See, there's always going to be a battle to faith. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Okay? Well, in order for something to be a good fight, it has to be a winnable fight. You know, and I've got good news for you right now. No matter what you're facing right now, all of us included together, no matter what you're facing, it is a winnable battle. You've got family issues, got financial issues, you've got social issues. Physical issues. If you're in this earth, it's a winnable battle. You can win. And you will win. I prophesy that over you. Amen? Amen. The only way that you can lose is if you just quit. Just go throw your hands up. Go sit in a corner. Have a pity party. What good's that going to do? Do you know know when you have a pity party, guess who shows up? Lucifer. Lucifer. He shows up says, oh, you know how bad you have it? You're worse than anybody around you. Look at you, you poor, sorry thing. Now, you won't hear that physically, but you'll have those thoughts. You know what I mean? It's all of us, all of us, folks, from time to time, we have to shake off, amen, just like Paul shook that snake off when he was bitten by that snake and said he just shook it off in the fire. That was a poisonous viper. And that snake is symbolic of Satan. He was a snake. And Paul just shook it off in the fire. He should have dropped dead. They call it the two-step snake. You take two steps after you've been bitten, you're dead. And that's why the people of that island of Malta began to worship him because they thought he was a god. Remember that in the book of Acts? He wasn't a god. He just stood on the word of God. Jesus said in Mark 16, if, you're, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt. If you accidentally get bit by a poisonous viper, you are protected. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that you go out and look for snakes and try to prove your, your point. You know, there's, there's churches in the south, West Virginia and so forth, that are snake handling services. You ever hear of that before? You all ever hear of that before? If you ever saw that, it's the, the craziest thing you ever saw. And they bring these poisonous snakes in and rattlesnakes, you know, and if you're really in faith, then you're going to be okay. Well, that's called testing God. Okay, now that's not our subject this morning. But, but when, when things come at it and you feel that bite, you know, the viper trying to bite you with bitterness or this or that or sickness or disease, you can just shake it off and say, no, you don't, Satan. You're not touching me. Amen. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Say, that's me. See, I'm an overcomer. See, it's not, don't say that once you've overcome something, you say it before you see the manifestation, before you overcome anything in your physical life. You got a pain in your body, you got a sickness in your body, that's the time to stand up and say, rise up on the inside and say, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. And you're like, oh, I'll get that pain. I am an overcomer. And by boldly declaring that and decreeing that, you are setting the marks for your life to walk in total, complete victory. Glory to God. Amen? 
Now, what do you do when you're trusting? It looks like nothing's happened yet. That's when your faith roots are getting deeper and stronger. And God needs us to be strong, folks, in these last days. He doesn't need, it. He doesn't need us to be wimps. He doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be strong in the Lord. That's what the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Jesus was the biggest winner ever. And guess what? He happens to live on the inside of us. Amen? Now, I remember when I was, I was thinking about this, uh, the Lord brought this to my remembrance from way back in my childhood years. And I remember I had, when I, when I was growing up, and I was in, let's say, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, something like that, I had, a, I had a friend of mine that lived in, uh, in the same neighborhood that I did. His name was Stuart. And uh, Stuart had two brothers. He was the youngest of three. His oldest brother was Stephen. Second oldest brother was Scott. And then Stuart was the youngest of the three. Okay? And uh, I was friends with the younger. We were in the same grade. I was friends with Stuart. All right? Now, folks, this is back before I knew Jesus Christ. It's back before I was born again. I was unredeemed, you know. And, and my, my friend Stuart, had, his brothers had a reputation. They were tough, tough as nails. They would beat someone up in, in a heartbeat just like that, okay. So Stuart, my friend, took advantage of this, and he would do things to people and abuse them and say things and do things to people, and, uh, and he would get away with it because uh, if, if somebody attacked Stuart, my friend, then really they had a fight with Stephen and Scott, the older brothers. Okay? And I remember one time, somebody, he did something to someone, and they did something back to him, to my friend, you know? And uh, all he went and did, he told his older brothers. He said, this kid did this to me, you know, even though he was a guilty party in this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I remember one time, uh, there's this little trail that went from uh, off of our street, that connected this neighborhood. This, there's a, a lot of trees and stuff like that. And uh, this one kid would always cut through there at a certain time of the day. All right? And so my friend said, told his two older brothers, he said, look, this kid cuts through this path at this time. And sure enough, uh, Stephen and Scott were waiting there, hiding behind a tree. And when this kid came through, well, you know the rest of the story. Okay? Beat him to smithereens, okay? <laughs> All right? And uh, now, what my friend did was not right. Now, I'm using this as an illustration because it, people begin to realize, if you mess with the youngest, you're going to have to deal with the oldest, the two oldest. Are you with me now? So, he had an unusual boldness and confidence in, a, in an ungodly way. You understand that, all right? in an ungodly manner. And because he knew that if anybody messed with him, hey, brothers, you know, and they took care of business. I mean, it was like the mafia almost, you know what I'm saying? Now, I use that as an illustration because uh, you being a born-again Christian child of God, you're not just walking around. It's not just you walking around, you know, doing your thing. You are literally... Uh, God's property, God's real estate, if you will, God himself lives on the inside of you. And when the enemy messes with you, he touches the apple of God's eye. That's us. And that's what the Bible calls us. We are the apple of God's eye. Amen? 
Y'all know what that means, don't you? That means you're dear and you're precious to God. And if the enemy messes with you, then he has to mess with God. And he's not about to do that. But here's the key. You have to know, and this is what I want to talk about today. And this third thing, this third step to winning in life is to realize you are on a winning team. Now, go to Matthew chapter 1. And I want to talk about, in the rest of the time that we have, I want to talk about three factors that we need, things that we need to factor in to understand this and to walk in this, to win in life. See, it may look, it may smell, it may taste like you are going to be a defeated person, like you're going to lose. But let me tell you something. If you hang on to God and you realize the God that you serve lives on the inside of you, you cannot lose. You cannot lose. Now notice uh, uh, Matthew uh, one twenty three. It says, And behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted, God with us. Say God with us. Okay. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. If you're taking notes, first thing you have to realize to win in life, you have to realize God is with us. That's the word Emmanuel, God with us. Say it one more time, God with us. Say God with me. All right. See, you're never alone. When you realize and you acknowledge that and you say that, God, you're with me. I say it all the time. I lose track because I'm not counting it. I'm not saying one, I said it once, I said it three times. I say it constantly, God, you're with me. God, you're with me. And there's a couple other things we're going to talk about today because it's more than just God with you. Man, we got some other stuff here that you're going to, I'm going to load you with here this morning. It's just absolutely powerful. Now go to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And this is what we're talking about, God with us. God with us. Let your conversation, that means your lifestyle, be without covetousness. And be content with such things that you have. For, for he hath said, that's God, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Can I have an amen? God says, don't be covetous. Don't covet something that someone else has. Because God said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Amen? You know, when, when you read the Ten Commandments, for example, you say you shall not covet your neighbor's donkey and wife and maidservant and all this kind of stuff. The reason God, the heart of God in that is to say, look, I will give you your own. You don't have to covet somebody else's. You don't have to lust after someone else's possessions. God says, if you trust me, I'll give you the same thing. Amen? But he says right here, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You. God says that about you and me. I will never leave you or forsake you. Does that excite you? Now, notice this verse 6. There's no uh, chapter and verse in the real in the New Testament. This is just it was a letter. But I want you to connect the two right here. The latter part of verse 5 says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, 
The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God says, now look at it like this. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that we may boldly say. What are we supposed to say? The Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. See, we're supposed to say something. We're supposed to speak out loud. Amen. See, that's one of the unique things, and I've said this before about mankind, is the, the reason that we're different from the animal kingdom. You see, our body is made out of the same dirt that the animal's bodies are made out of. But here's the thing. When God made Adam, He made His body out of the dirt, right? And He stood Him there. He was lifeless. And He wasn't, he wasn't there was nothing to Him until God breathed into Him and He became a living spirit just like God. Now He's able to communicate. Now he's able to carry on conversations. God says, now I've given you the ability to name all the animals. So he had a voice. He had an intelligence about him. Amen? And that's what makes us different is because we're made in God's likeness. We, have, we are a spirit and the made in the likeness and image of God. And we're able to speak to things and create things with the words of our mouth. Now that doesn't mean we're going to create a new world, because there's, but we can create the world that we live in. By the words of our mouth. Praise the Lord. Now it says, we may boldly say. Now I love that because he, he didn't say, just say it. He says, say it boldly. And I find that a lot of times saints need encouraged to say things boldly. Because a lot of times even in church I'll say, repeat this after me. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. Then in Psalms I hear this line, Ron said, no, say it boldly. Because when you say it boldly, it means something. There's a conviction about you. Hallelujah. And folks, listen, we need more boldness, all of us. We need to be, and I'm, I'm talking about towards the enemy, towards heaven and towards hell, praise the Lord. I'm not just talking about towards people, but towards the enemy of our souls that we are bold to say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, when you say that boldly, it just does something. It registers. Amen? I know what I'm talking about. And so do you. When you say something with boldness, it registers on your spirit. And the enemy marks you and realizes that he can't touch you. Because if a person, a Christian, that's bold in their faith, cannot be stopped. Amen? If I say, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. By your stripes, I am healed. There's some power to that. But if I say, by your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. There's a difference. I said the same thing, but there's more boldness and there's more confidence behind it. Okay? And if you want to start to win in life, praise the Lord, we've got to start saying what God says boldly so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord's my helper. He's going to help me today. What are we facing today? What are you facing today? The Lord is on your side. He's your helper. He's going to help you. Yeah. Glory to God. Now, don't wait to see some change first before you say that. Because you may be waiting a long time. You've got to rise up in your spirit first. You see, real victory is won in the spirit realm before it manifests in the natural realm. 
It all, it's always that way. You have to get victory in your spirit first, and then you will see it in the natural. I, when I received divine healing in my body, I had it in my mind, in my spirit, and I said it first before I ever saw anything. And uh, just bring up the message translation in this, and I love this right here. It says, uh, same verse. It says, do not be obsessed with getting more material things, but be relaxed with what you have. Since God assures us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you, we can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Isn't that good? In the message translation. Okay, so here's the first thing I want to share. God with us. That's the first key. Number two, I want to talk about this. God is for us. Now, with that in mind, let's go to Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans chapter 8. And I want to show you something. Romans chapter 8. The enemy's lost already. He's mad and I'm glad. Amen. He's a liar. If he, it's all he knows how to do is tell you a lie. So if he's talking, if his moops, if his lips are moving, he's lying. Okay? If he's lying to you this morning, he's lying. It's not the truth. It's just the opposite. If he says you're not gonna make it, you say, Oh, yep, I am. I'm gonna make it. Amen. The devil says, I'm going to kill you. No, he's not. I'm going to live long on this earth. It's all lies, right? Now, Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? Do you notice he says we're supposed to say something to these things? So, we have a mouth that's more than just communicating with one another. God gave us a mouth to speak to demons and devils and mountains in our lives. Amen. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Now let's read on here. It said, verse 32, said, He that spared not his own son, that's God, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, what, what does that mean? That means if God didn't withhold His best when He gave us Jesus, everything else is just a fringe benefit. If God did, you know, it's kind of like when you buy your car, the steering wheel comes with it. All things being equal, you know what I mean? The seats come with it. The heater comes with it. All right? You buy the car, you get the rest. Are you with me now? Now, when God gave you Jesus, He gave you the ultimate. Everything else is a fringe benefit. It says, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? See, your, your, your well-being is physically is just a side benefit, but it belongs to you. Glory to God. Verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, and even is at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? All right. Notice he says, none of these things will separate us from the love of God. Now, this is what he's talking about when he says, what shall we say to these things? That's what he's talking about right here. Lack, persecution, physical problems, what have you, you know, so forth. He says, we're to say something to these things. What are we to say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? And... Uh, there are times when you'll, you, that God will instruct you to look at your pocketbook or your wallet or your checkbook and look at that thing and say, if God be for me, you can't be against me. <laughs> Amen? You look at that, you point to yourself in the mirror, whatever, your body, and it's given you some problems and some issues, you know. You say, hey, if God be for me, that sickness can't be against me. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. If God be for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted, notice accounted, as sheep for the slaughter. It may look like we're going to be slaughtered. But notice verse 37. No, or says nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. <laughs> See, sometimes it looks like you're a sheep ready for the slaughter. But he says, no. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. When I was growing up, my father, who's in heaven now, was a huge boxing fan. Now, I never did like it too much. I never really was interested in it, but he always liked the sports that I didn't like. He liked basketball, which I was horrible at. I didn't like basketball. And he liked boxing, which I didn't like. Okay? So we had a lot in common. <laughs> but I remember, and I remember these were back in the days of Muhammad Ali and the, the, the heavyweight fighters and stuff like that, you know, and, and uh, I can't remember some of the other ones. And, uh, and it was a big deal back in the 70s, you know. And, uh, and I remember that every once in a while, if I would watch the whole thing at the end, my, my dad would say, come on, son, let's watch it together. And, oh, okay, I'll tolerate this, you know. And, and, uh, and they would bring out this big, like a check, you know, it was like a symbolic check, and they would hand it to them, you know, give them that gold belt and whatever. And, they, you know, sometimes they'd win like $5 million, whatever, $10 million. I can't remember exactly what it was, you know. And, uh, um, and they get that reward. They're a conqueror. They conquered the enemy, right? They won that heavyweight title. They won that fight. All right? Well, guess what? That heavyweight fighter is married to a pretty young lady at home, and he goes home and gives her the check. She becomes more than a conqueror. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Amen. See, he gets out there in awful combat. He's out there. He beats the adversary, beats him, you know. He gets the reward for it. He hands her the check. She didn't do anything. She just received the reward. <laughs> Say, honey, go and have yourself a good time at the mall today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. She becomes more than a conqueror. All right? Now, none of us, we don't fight the devil. We're never told to fight the devil. Never, ever. We are to fight the good fight of faith. 
The only fight that the believer is in is the fight to stay in faith. When, when, what you're looking at contradicts what you're believing in your heart. What you're hearing contradicts what's in your heart. And yet you stand tall and you say, no, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved by the word of God and I refuse to give in to the pressure here. I refuse to lose my joy. I'm not going to lose my joy just because something bad happens. Amen. See, whoever controls your joy controls you. Something to think about. Whoever controls your joy is really controlling you. And sometimes you just need to go wipe the tears off, whatever you need to do. Stand up on the inside and say, no, I'm not going to be moved by this. I may shed a few tears. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Glory to God. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to give joy to the Lord and give praise to God even when it looks like I'm losing. That's the kind of faith that God will so honor and reward you now here in this earth. Amen. That's called overcoming faith. See, if you walk around like you've been whipped and you're sad and discouraged all the time, you know, the Bible says, lift up your hands that hang down, make straight your path. Because when your hands are so-called hanging down, you're actually worshiping the, the guy that's beneath your feet. And I'm not going to give the devil pleasure to think he's defeated me for one second. Amen. Because Jesus paid a dear price for me to walk in victory, not just to go to heaven but to live in victory here on this earth. Amen. I know this is kind of like the meat of the Word of God, but let me tell you something. It's sweet. Victory is sweet when you know how to tap into the victory. You see, there's this prevailing mindset in the church world, and it's been there for a long time, and it's the most ungodly, unscriptural way of thinking that God has everything under control. Say what, Brother Keith? There are Christians that Use this, they flip this statement up. Well, God's in control. Well, if He is, He sure has got things in a big mess. Some family was killed in a car accident, you know. Well, God's in control. Let me tell you something. Some kid gets stolen or something like that, you know, or kidnapped. God's in control. He's not in control of that. He's not in control of that. Amen? You see, if that's the mindset, which a lot of people have, if God's in control, then when do you resist the enemy? If God's in control, why would you want to resist if something bad's coming your way? Just a, just a side thought here. If something bad's coming your way, and if it's God's will, that's part of His plan, then why would you resist that? But we are told in the New Testament to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are some things you need to embrace, and that's the things of God. There's some things you need to resist, and that's when the devil comes against you. But you resist them with faith in the Word of God. We don't actually get in there and fight the devil. Jesus did that for us. He's the conqueror. We're more than conquerors. And the only fight in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that we are to fight is the fight of faith or to stay in faith. Stay in faith. You get up tomorrow, Monday, and it still looks like your prayer hasn't been answered. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Tuesday comes around, and it still looks like the circumstance hasn't changed. What do you do? Oh, God. No. You shake that off. Shake off that pity party. Shake off that tears and that crying. Hey, it's one thing if God makes you cry. Don't let the devil make you cry. 
you be tough as nails against him. Hallelujah. And you stand up and you fight the good fight of faith. How do you fight the good fight of faith? With words. With words. Just like it read there. And all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. Praise God. When you do that, you're going to start entering into victory. You'll start seeing and you will come to church and, folks, I won't have to dig it out of you. You will have a testimony. when you, You'll be beating yourself to get up here to the front and say, Pastor, can I testify today? I, I, God did something for me. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. See, it's not just coming to church and hearing something. It's coming to church, hearing it first, then taking it out and putting it to use and putting it into practice in our daily lives. Yes. Doing something about it. Not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word. It's the doers that are blessed. And so, uh, uh, I forgot to read one scripture. Josh, this is probably, you'll have to look this up. But look at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33 verses 14 and 15. Remember the first point was God is with us, right? The second thing is God is with us. For us, but I want to read a scripture to you here in uh, where Moses and uh, said uh, in verse that's Exodus 33, verse 14. He says, And he said, The Lord said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, That's the Lord, or Moses said to the Lord, He said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up. From hence. Amen. Now, can you bring that up in the, on the, the uh, message translation? I love this. It says, God said, My presence will go with you, and I will see the journey to the end. Moses said, If your presence doesn't take a lead here, call this trip off right now. I like that, don't you? See, that's one thing. Sometimes the King James can be a little bit King Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a little Elizabethan, you know what I mean? But then you read in one of these modern translations, you see, it gets a clear picture. And I like this because Moses basically said this, Lord, if your presence doesn't go up to the yonder where we're supposed to go, then I'm staying put. I'm just going to stay here. Amen? See, Moses knew how important the presence of the Lord was when it came to fighting battles and to winning battles. The fact that if God was, David would inquire of the Lord when the enemies would come against him. You know, he would, instead of assuming, he would inquire of the Lord and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Do you want me to go up and take these guys out and so forth, these Philistines, you know? And the Lord said, go for it. I'm just paraphrasing. And as long as God's presence was with them, they could not be defeated. And so it is with Israel today. Amen. But even more importantly, as being the children of God and temples of God, that's you and that's me. Hallelujah. It's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Say, so we got God with us. We got God for us. And thirdly, and I want to camp on this and we'll close here today. But we have God in us. See, Israel had God with them. He had, they had God for them. But here's the third thing that they didn't have, that we have under the New Testament. We have God in us. God in us. 
Amen? Whoa, what a difference that is, huh? I mean, it's, it would be enough to say God's with me, God's for me. That's great. But then a third thing, God is on the inside of us. Whoa. <laughs> we just shifted an overdrive right here. Amen? Listen, if you're on, a, if you're on a, a sports team, you're playing sports. If you realize this principle, God is with me, God is for me, God is in me, you can win even when the odds are stacked against you. Because you know why? It's not that God's interested in someone losing, someone winning. He wants to give glory. And if somebody wins and they give, I love that when you see like a professional sport or whoever, then they win and they start to give glory to God. You know? Well, see, God has a platform in that industry. And God wants to have a platform in every single industry in life. God wants to have a platform in the education system. Instead of some liberal, left-wing, unregenerate person spouting off their agenda, thinking that everybody has to have these rules and regulations, you know, and bathrooms for men and women both at the same place. How, how, who would have ever thought you would have seen that in a million years, that kind of stuff? Okay? Well, why is it? It's because the wrong people are in positions of leadership and authority. And that's what's going on right now is a lot of this stuff's being exposed of some of these implants that have been placed in our government and systems that are being exposed and rooted out so that we, we can put some goodly, godly men and women in these positions. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 3.16. I'll tell you what, you're on the jumping board right now and you're ready to jump off into the deep things of God. Hallelujah. It says right here, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Oh my, my. Know you not, and I know you've heard this scripture before, but, but, but check it out. God's, this is our third point. God is with us. God is for us. Now, thirdly, God is in us. Praise the Lord. See, the reason that we can respect and honor one another is we realize the God that lives in me is the same God that lives in you. We're all connected here. And when you see each other, that's why Paul said, he says, we're not to know one another after the flesh after the natural. But we're to know one another and honor one another after the Spirit. When I see you, I don't just see you. I see God in you. And that makes me want to treat you better than you deserve. Amen? Because we're not just seeing one another after the flesh. Praise God. You know, it's so easy sometimes to just judge according to the flesh. You know, you look at someone and you think, they're not my idea of Whatever, you know. But I'll tell you, God can speak through people. God can speak through people, the most unlikely sources, and talk to you. And it may not come in the package that you are used that you think it should come in. I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, little children can speak, and they're hearing from heaven. I remember when my, years and years ago, when my kids were real young and real small, there were times I heard the voice of God speak through Joshua and speak through Kelly to me and Lynn. We'd be going through something, you know, or whatever. And they'd just come along and spout off something. I'm like, that was the Holy Ghost that just spoke through them. Dear God, five and six years old. And they said something that, you know, and even to this day. 
You know, your spirit just says, mm-hmm, yeah, praise God. That's why it's so important to not, uh, you know, just lock yourself into receiving from somebody that's just older than you. I remember the first time, I'll never forget this. Back in 1989, we started our first, well, it started as a Bible study and turned into our first church that we had over in uh, the Bethel area. And uh, we had started, I mean, we were just fresh, we're green, we're just out of Bible school, 23 years old, you know, and we started this church. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm 56 now, I was 23 then, 23 or 24, something like that, you know. So there's a little age difference there, you know. But we had, uh, we had a, our church, okay, and we did some advertising. And this one couple called me, I remember. And uh, they said, we, we saw your ad in the paper, you know. Um, uh, we want to come to the church. Where's the church at and so forth? And so they agreed to come out. Well, they came about 30 or 40 minutes early, something like that. And, uh, and back then, we didn't even have a sound system. We had my little stereo, lens stereo system that I dragged up there little brown speakers, wooden speakers, and we'd plug it in and do whatever we could to just get started, you know. And so I'm up there, you know, and I'd set the chairs up. I'd go up there early, and, and this couple came walking in. They'd never met me before, and they walked in. They looked around, and they said, oh, this is the church. I said, yeah. She said, well, the, the couple said, well, where's the pastor? I, I said, right here. <laughs> and they looked at each other like, like a cow at a new gate, as they say. Our dog at a new pan. I mean, looked at me like, and the, and the wife looked, I mean, she said it out. She didn't just think it. She said it out. She goes, man, I don't know what his name was or husband. She said, I didn't know he was this young. And they were offended. I could see it. They were offended. Well, they didn't last too long in our church. Okay. Uh, and I, when they said that, I said, well, guess what? The ancient of days lives on the inside of me. See, God's called the ancient of days and he lives, he's been around a long time and he lives on the inside of me. Sometimes we can, put so, we can only receive from people that we think they have to fit in our mold and our my way of thinking. But I'm telling you, God can speak through people that, you, that don't look like you think they should look or their age might be different, but He can speak through them. And if your heart is sensitive, you can pick up when God's talking to you. Amen. Oh, yeah. wasn't planning on saying that, but I did anyhow. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit, notice the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now stop and think about that for a minute here. This body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I was called one many, many years ago as an assistant pastor. I was called to go, um, Lynn and I were working in a church in the state of Texas. And we were asked by the staff there to go pray for a woman that requested prayer from the church. You know, this is a really a large church that we were a part of when we first uh, were learning and growing and so forth and got into a church. And um, we went and prayed for this lady, and make a long story real short. We walked into, the, never met her before, walked into this hospital room, and she is laying in this, this bed, a contraption that had her, like almost nailed down her arms, her feet, everything, and it would rotate her. And I never saw this before. This bed would rotate her and lead her different ways. I didn't know what her, I mean, it looked like her body was in a cat, in a cast. The whole body. All she could move was her eyeballs and her tongue. <laughs> and I said, hi, we're so-and-so, we're from the church, you know, we got a phone call, we just want to come here and pray for you, you know. I said, uh, I could tell she had physical problems. I said, what's, your, what's the problem? She had 
uh, rheumatoid arthritis uh, from head to foot, completely immobile, and they were doing their, I don't know what the technical name is, somebody might know here that has medical knowledge, but um, they would, they would move, rotate her body and so forth to, to try to help her, relieve her from the stress. So she was, she was unable to walk. She was unable to do anything. She was in a bad situation physically. So she said, Pastor, can you please pray for me? You know, I said, sure, sure. Now, we're just new at this, you know, and I'm thinking, why couldn't this have been a headache or something like that? You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this, you know. I mean, this, she's immobile, you know. She's strapped into this bed, you know, this contraption. But, uh, but the Lord, now I didn't hear it with these ears, but I heard the Lord speak to my heart inside me. He says, now, Keith, remember who lives inside of you. The healer lives in you. Remember, I live on the inside of you. And I'm like, now nobody, nobody heard it. My wife didn't hear it. I heard it in my spirit. No one else in the room heard it. It wasn't audible, but I heard it in my spirit. God lives in you. The healer lives on the inside of you. So uh, I'm listening to her talk, but I'm listening to God on the inside. And, uh, and so when it came time to pray, we laid hands on her, broke the power of that arthritis in the name of Jesus, that infirmity that was over her, broke it in Jesus' name. Now, from all natural standpoint, it looked like now she didn't jump out of bed and start praising God, you know, like the, like the guy in the book of Acts, run through the temple, leaping and praising. None of that happened. To be honest with you, I felt no special feeling. Lynn didn't feel any special feeling. We did. There was no goosebump. There was nothing, nothing. By faith. Well, we prayed for her, blessed her, left the hospital, forgot about it actually. The very next week, and this happened to be a Wednesday night in the church service at Grace Christian Center in Colleen, Texas, which is still there, on a Wednesday night. The guy, the worship leader got up, did the songs, you know, for 20 minutes or so. Then they dismissed. Now, at that time, we were responsible for teaching and training new believers that would come into the church. Because every week they'd come, people bring their friends, and they'd come and get saved in the church. So they needed to be instructed in the basic things of God. So we'd put, a, put together a class. And on Wednesday nights during the midweek service, after worship, pastor would dismiss we would leave. We would go up upstairs. They had a school as well. We'd go up there and we would teach them for 45 minutes about the basic things of God. It was wonderful. Well, this very next week, pastor dismissed our class, you know, so, and the kids got dismissed and everybody's marching back, you know, he's getting ready to take on the regular service, you know, and, and preach to the people. As I'm walking back this long aisle, I'm walking back like this and I heard, Pastor Keith, I heard this, and I, I looked around. I didn't see anybody. And all of a sudden, I realized it was coming from my right side. I said, Pastor Keith. And I looked, and I saw this woman sitting there. Now, God is my witness. I didn't know who she was. So I looked at her like, I didn't know who she was. I didn't even recognize her. And she goes, Pastor Keith, come here, come here. And there was still a little bit of it. There was a couple, 30, 40 seconds we could do that. So I, I, I come over, and she goes, she goes, I know you probably don't know me. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm sorry, you know. She goes, I'm the woman that you and your wife came and prayed for in the hospital last week. And I said, really? She goes, guess what? I'm totally healed. And she was like, like this, you know, I'm totally healed. And she goes, not only that. She goes, I was addicted to cigarettes for a number of years, nicotine. She says, God delivered me supernaturally from nicotine, from cigarettes. 
Now, I didn't know that. We didn't even pray for that. That was a surprise. Yeah, that was my goodness, you know. And, uh, and we would start to see things like that. Uh, that I, don't have, I don't even have time to share some of the other stuff that happened with other people, but um, the Lord was taking me on a journey to realize, because I always thought, you, you know, to be anointed, you've got to have this special feeling, you know, and you've got to have a halo around your head kind of walking around, you know, and you have to be this anointed, which I really don't know if there is such a thing. I just felt like Keith. You know what I mean? I didn't feel any special anything, anything. But yet the Lord was just talking to me. He says, guess who lives on the inside of you? I live on the inside of you. I'm a healer and I live on the inside of you. So whatever you do, when you pray for people, take, there's no pressure on you to get them delivered. You put the pressure on your covenant with God. God, you're the deliverer. God, you're the healer. But you told me to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And, uh, and I'll tell you, that news spread through that church like wildfire. She went up there, told the pastor what happened. I mean to tell you, it was no small stir. Now, we didn't do anything. All we did was pray. It wasn't us. It was no power in ourselves, so to speak. It was God's power. But when I go back upstream and I look back to how this all started, the Lord started saying, now, Keith, because I was overwhelmed. I was like, this looks tough. This looks difficult. But the Lord kept saying, remember who lives on the inside of you. I live on the inside. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. So that's, I just banked on that. I kept leaning on that. My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, glory to God. <laughs> and so, um, and I, like I said, I felt no sparks flying. There was nothing, no electricity, so to speak, that was like, whew, I felt that go, virtue go out of me. I didn't feel that at all. Amen. be honest, I don't know if I've ever felt that. Okay. Some people think you've got to fall into the power to receive from God. You can stand up and not fall one ounce and still receive from God. So many times people put emphasis on just the natural side of things. When we should be putting emphasis on what the Word of God says and what the Spirit of God says because that's what matters. Well, that woman was absolutely, totally set free to the glory of God. But I'll tell you, as I said, it's that miracle I believe started with God telling me, is I live on the inside of you. Acknowledge that. Okay? Now, real quickly here, because we're almost out of time. My goodness. Mm. Second Corinthians, or, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. That's 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 and 20. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Right? Paul says here, what? Big question mark. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that wonderful? Paul is saying, what? Don't you know <laughs> that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, if you read up above the verses there, he's talking about the, the church. He said, fleeing fornication, all these sexual sins and things like that. He says, why? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you realize that your body is the house of God, you'll treat it differently. Amen. 
Now, one more verse here in 2 Corinthians. This will be it here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. So it's God is with us. God is for us. And God is in us. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just ate my Happy Meal this morning. I'm not talking about Donald's. Amen. My Happy Meal is the Word of God. Glory to God. Verse 14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Notice that the believer is called righteousness and the unbeliever is called unrighteousness. Amen? Now this is, the, you know, of course this would have to do with marrying a, a sinner. Okay? Somebody, you know, is single and they want to get married but the guys, they're wanting to uh, evangelize. I know he'll change. I know she'll change. If I just marry them, they'll change, you know. Amen? Well, that normally doesn't happen. Amen? But he says, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And notice this, and what communion has light with darkness? Notice the believers called light and the unbelievers called darkness. See that? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part had he that believeth with an infidel? Now, verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now, who's the temple of God? That's us. And he says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, verse 17, Come out from among them, and be ye separate. Now, he didn't say segregate. He just said separate yourself. See, there ought to be something different about us as believers. We ought not be partakers of what the world is doing to mix within them just to be accepted by them. You all with me now? Praise God. Come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now here's what, look at this verse. Verse 18 says, And I will be a father unto you, God says, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Man, there's a lot in there, isn't there? Now, here you, here you got three, three scriptures here that we just read that all indicate 1 Corinthians, two examples, and then 2 Corinthians, one example, where, where God calls us. Three places here, He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So that means God is living on the inside of you. Amen? Anybody here ever look in the mirror before? <laughs> How many of you did this morning? You looked in that mirror before you came here? You looked in that mirror? All you're seeing is the house that you actually live in. Okay? How many of you see me standing up here? No, you don't. You're just seeing the house that I actually live in. And this house has blue windows, a blonde roof, okay? And whatever, you know, with each one of us, that's differently, right? Okay? But you're just seeing the body, but the real me, 
The Bible calls the spirit of man the hidden man of the heart. Now, it looks just like you, but a whole lot better. Hallelujah. Your spirit is not just some f cloud floating around. Like, you know, when you get to heaven, there's a cloud over there. Who is that? I mean, your spirit looks just like you, except perfected. When we get to heaven, will we know one another? Absolutely. You won't be like, who is that over there? That was my mother. She doesn't look the same. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. Your spirit is the real you. And that's, that, that's the part of you that has God living inside of you. Your spirit is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I began to realize this, even as a youngster, and even as a teenager, when I began to realize that, you know, because temptation comes to all of us. There's, you know, peer pressure comes to all of us. But when I, I don't know if it was just the Lord really helped me in this area when I was real young. Because I had no one to stand with. I mean, I'm telling you, my, my family didn't get, my parents didn't get saved till a few years after I was saved and then again. And I'm telling you, I stood alone. I didn't have a, a coach by my side, a mentor by my side. But I did have the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I thank God for that. Because I learned at a young age to really trust in God, to trust Him. My wife was the exact same way. You know, she came from a family of seven kids, you know, and she was one of the first ones to get born again and walk with Christ, you know. And there were times in the early, early stages of her family that they, she was being heavily persecuted and made fun of in that. But she would just get out by herself. This is before I even met her, you know. And she'd get alone with God, go back in her woods somewhere and spend time with God, and God would strengthen her. Well, that's exactly what I began to do, just in a different way. But I, I thank God for those early times like that because I became more conscious of God than I was of the natural things around me. Amen? I had this job one time working in a paper factory right out of high school. And, uh, and I had just gotten, this is a 19... 80, and I got filled with the Spirit of God and spoke with other tongues. And I mean, I, folks, I was so radically changed by that. Just God's, God's presence became, I would say that was the biggest turning point in my life when I realized that, and I wasn't even asking for it. I, just, I was in a meeting, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in a heavenly tongue. Here I am working in this paper factory. On a Tuesday night, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wednesday, I went to work. And what so amazed me was this, that I was able to pray in this, this, this language that I never went to school to learn. Are you all with me now? And it, it just so amazed me. It was like, my God, I'm praying in this fluent language. I mean fluent. Like, it sounded like Russian well, let's say Chinese or something like that. No. It was a foreign language. It wasn't my natural language. But I, re I remember I felt so, God's presence I felt was so conscious. I was so conscious of His presence. And I remember in this paper factory where I worked, it was in, the, in Bridgeville. It's not there anymore. They went belly up, you know. But uh, it was there for a number of years. And I, I, would, I would go back into the restroom area. And I would go back there away from everybody else. And I would go into the restroom for a few minutes. I would just pray in that, in that language. And I'd be like, whoa, whoa, what happened to me? You know, I was like, I prayer I am praying. Uh, that, that to me was an absolute miracle. Do you know every time you speak with tongues, that's a miracle in progress? 
That's like the splitting of the Red Sea. Here you are being able to pray in this language that God just all of a sudden gave you that you didn't learn it. Has anybody ever thought that other than myself? And it, it, it constantly reminded me of God's indwelling presence that, man, when I pray in the Spirit, I become more conscious of God because I know I couldn't do that. Amen. See, I didn't go learn in some linguist course or go to some school somewhere to learn how to speak with tongues. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. Hallelujah. And, and see, it was a constant reminder. And even to this day, as I stand here today, it's a constant reminder of God's indwelling presence. For the Bible says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue doesn't speak unto men, but unto God. Amen? Now you know why the devil hates tongues so bad. Tongues are of the devil. Is it? People say stuff like that. They're, they're ignorant. They have no idea what they're talking about. There's so many scriptures in the Bible about believers being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. Of course, there have been people that have abused that and made a bad rap for it, but that wasn't God doing that. It was people's flesh. Okay? But that doesn't... Listen, how many of you know there's counterfeit money out there? Does that stop you from spending your money? Of course not. You know there's counterfeit money out there, but that doesn't stop you from... And there's counterfeit things that are out there spiritually, but that doesn't do away with the real thing. Hallelujah. We're out of time here today. Back 10 minutes over my time. Amen. Won't even charge you for it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Know this. Know this, saith the Lord. I'm as near to you as you want me to be as near to you. For as you practice my presence and you acknowledge that your body is the temple, that is my temple, saith the Lord, there will be a divine explosion that will take place on the inside of you, not to harm you, but to help you. For you see, as you recognize the indwelling presence of my spirit on the inside of you, great things, it'll be as if fireworks were going off on the inside of you and revelation will come to you like you've never known before. So acknowledge me, saith the Lord, in your daily affairs. Acknowledge me in everything that you do and I will make straight your paths and that which is crooked will be made straight as you acknowledge my presence. Be quick to say to yourself on a regular basis, my body is God's temple. If God be for me, who can be against me? God in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And as you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. And I will manifest my presence. I will manifest my goodness in ways you've not known before. For you see, it's not just by your might. It's not just by your power that things will happen. It's by my spirit, Amen. saith the Lord, that your body will be healed. It's by my spirit that your needs will be met. It's by my spirit that you will rise up like a king and like a conqueror in this life. It's by my spirit, by my spirit, saith the Lord. So as you acknowledge me and you say with your mouth, the Lord is my helper, the Lord is my strengthener, the Lord is my life giver, 
The Lord is my healer. I will become that to you. Hallelujah. So acknowledge me and all will be well. And everything will work out, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for Proverbs 3 that says, In all your ways acknowledge God and He will direct your path. It's just a little adjustment. That's all it is. We're not to be led by our heads. We're to be led by our hearts, our spirits. Your spirit knows things that your head doesn't know.